Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the Gunshot. It has been a while. Man, Lauren, it has been, I think I counted today, it was 16 days since our last pod. Mm-hmm. We have been gone, a little bit of a break. I work in public accounting, so it's my busy season. So I've been a little busy. Lauren, I know you've been busy with school. Uh, you popped down here because my fiance had her bridal shower. So it has been mm-hmm. a busy couple of weeks, but we are back and plenty has happened in the NBA. Lauren, I want to start recent news. LaMelo Ball was cleared for basketball activities. Uh, that's kind of interesting news for the Hornets and, and for the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Uh, mm-hmm. Lauren, do you think that's anything for, for for LaMelo, for the Hornets, or is it just kind of about getting playoff experience? What what do you think that might mean for, for the Hornets and for LaMelo? I mean, I think it's huge. I, I'm excited to see what that looks like. I don't know when exactly he's expected to, you know, be in that starting lineup and be 100% fully ready to go, but Charlotte's currently sitting at uh, eighth in the, in the East, uh, a game behind Miami and and two games behind the Knicks. And so, um, you know, they're, they're, they're right there. And I, I mean, LaMelo has a huge impact on that team. So I'll be excited. You and I talked the last time we, we recorded, we talked about uh, our award updates and, and we talked about LaMelo and whether or not he might come back and what that means for the awards and what that could mean for him. And so, uh, I, I'm glad to see him return, and, and I'll be interested to see what that team looks like with getting him back. Um, as far as what kind of noise they can make in the playoffs, the East is very difficult, and since they are likely going to be playing one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, I'm not sure that they're going to be making a whole lot of noise, but it'll be really great for them to get LaMelo and even some of these other young guys experience because Charlotte is, um, in the nicest way possible, very used to being having their focus on lottery night, not necessarily the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm excited for them. And I, I think it's huge that they're getting mellow back. What do you think? No, for sure. I think once they punted on Kemba, uh, the future did not look very bright. And I think adding Gordon Haywood, Hayward and then hitting on LaMelo has helped them tremendously. Uh, you touched on it last time we did our awards. We, we were talking about if LaMelo had this locked up. Um, and, and I think the consensus was no, it just, there was too much of the season left with about a third right now. They've played 56 games. Uh, they have about 16 left. So I don't know how many of these he's going to get to play. Um, but I think if he gets to play five or six, he played 41 so far this season. Um, so I, I think missing 15 to 20 games doesn't hurt him too much in that sense, but yeah, you touched on it. Um, I don't know that they're going to make noise in the playoffs but I think playoff experience for LaMelo could be tremendously valuable. I look at the Hawks as kind of a similar situation with Trey Young, kind Mm -hmm. of bottom feeders in the East. And then they realize, hey, we've got a guy who at least they think can take them to the next level. Um, Whether or not he can is a different story. But in their eyes, they needed to do everything they could to get him playoff experience. So they went and paid Gallo and I'm blanking on Bogdan. Bogdan, yeah. Yeah, just a ton of money um, to – to launch them in the playoff contention. And again, I don't know that they're going to make a ton of noise, but the playoff experience for that young group, Kevin Herter, Clint Capella, uh, all those guys, it's going to be huge. So I kind of look at that, that situation is in a similar light. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. You, you touch on it. East is, is so top heavy that it may not Very matter, top but, heavy. but we're going to talk about that as well, actually. So today on the pod, we're going to break down kind of who we think are the real contenders to actually make some noise in the, in the playoffs this year, who are the real teams that can actually make the finals 
and potentially win it this year. And then we're going to flip it to the other end. And I think we'll actually have a better conversation, which is why I think we'll save this for last. We're going to talk about the teams at the bottom, those teams right now who are in full tank mode, trying to get those to those top two, top three pick um, and, and talk about some of their brightest and dullest futures. So Lauren, we'll start with, well, let's start with the East since we're kind of talking about the East already. Lauren, who do you think mm-hmm. are the true contenders out of the East right now? Is, is there more than, than one or two, or is it kind of just a tight race? Uh, I think that there are three. Uh, I think three. Um, I really do believe that that those top three right now, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. And it's very hard because when I, as soon as I see Milwaukee at the top of those standings, I'm like, look, I still, I know you made some upgrades, but I need to see the proof of playoff success. And I think that they're a completely different team this year, and the results the outcome, it could all look very different for Milwaukee. They've got the talent. Um, I know some people are, are in others are out on the coaching, uh, but we will see what that looks like. They've got the talent and, and they've made the upgrades. So to me on paper, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get it done. But at the same time, like we've said, East is very top heavy. Joel Embiid's having an insane year, Brooklyn, um, very, very top heavy, but a lot of talent. Health is a completely different conversation, but assuming all teams are healthy, I think all three of those teams do have a shot. I I have uh, spoken to you a bit about who who I think could be the right matchup for, for certain teams. And so I, I, I do believe that if Brooklyn is looking at Philadelphia or Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, which I, I absolutely think it will be one of those two, that's going to be a tough matchup for... Brooklyn. I don't think that there, I, I would still pick Brooklyn. I don't think anyone's going to break Brooklyn four times, but they're there. We've talked about how their, their weaknesses are going to get exposed and, and how that could be difficult. So uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's Brooklyn or, or nobody. Uh, I, but I think the only two teams that even have a shot in the East are, are Philly and, and Milwaukee outside of Brooklyn. What are your thoughts? Where, where are you at? No, I'm right there with you. Uh, I want to touch on the Celtics. I don't think, I don't think they're a true contender this year, but I think they're a team that is made for the playoffs. They have the guy who can kill you. They've got the number two guy who can kill you. And then they've got kind of all the right pieces around. Now they're a little thin at big, but that's kind of always been um, the case for the Celtics. And, and it hasn't hurt them horribly in the past. Mm. Um, that That's not where their shortcomings have, have come. So I, I kind of like the Celtics just because – I think when you look at the pieces you need to be successful in the playoffs, when the short, when the rotation starts to shrink and it becomes a little bit more ISO ball, I like what the Celtics have and compared to some of the others, but I think you're right. It generally is a three team race. What I think is interesting. Normally what I, my philosophy on seating is if you're a true contender, it really doesn't matter what seat you are. Of course you want to, of course you want to have home court. Um, but, it, but if you're going to win the championship, it doesn't matter if you're an eight seed or a one seed uh, because you're truly good enough to go beat anybody. So right. obviously eight seeds typically aren't contenders, but you get the point I'm making. So right, I look at the East though, and I think seeding could be very interesting. Um, I think I think those three teams we talked about are probably going to all walk through the first round. We talked about how top heavy it is, and, and that shouldn't be a problem. But I think whether or not the Nets end up with the one seed could impact how things go for them. Um in terms of matchups, because if they if they sit in the two seed right now 
Uh, they could play the Bucks potentially in the second round who are sitting in the three seed. They're three games back. And the Bucks are three games back of the Nets. Uh, and while the Nets are only a game behind Philly, who's in first, if they have to go through both Milwaukee and Philly, or sorry, yeah, both Milwaukee and Philly in any order, that thing that makes things a lot more difficult than if they're going through, say, Boston in the second round and then the winner of Philly and Milwaukee. So um, I do want to talk to you about this, Lauren. Uh, it was announced James Harden today was out indefinitely with, I forget, you told me before we got on air. It was a hamstring. Uh, the hamstring. And Kevin Durant's been battling injuries. He suited up, I think, the other night and then never ended uh-huh. up checking in. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been battling injuries all year. And we talked about this on our last podcast. Um, I don't know if the lack of playing time together for these guys is really going to hurt or help them because yeah. they need that continuity. Uh, we we kind of talked about this last year. Or it was relevant last year where Kawhi and Paul George had not played a ton of games together. But nobody thought it was really going to matter. And then, sure enough, when push came to sh- push comes to shove, like they were missing that team cohesion and that team chemistry. So I worry about that for the Nets. Now I wonder if they're um, ta- too talented for it to matter. We talked about that as well. We talked about how, hey, in the first round, that may be plenty of time for the Nets to show. All right, it's business time. Let's suit up and take care of what we need to. We'll iron out all our kinks in the first round, and we'll march on to the finals. And that may happen. But mm-hmm. the longer these injuries, I think, keep nagging these guys, it only slows down that process and things are going to take a little bit longer. So I think it hurts them if they end up having to face a Milwaukee in the second round and then a Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals potentially. And so I think for them, that one seed might be very important. Yeah, I, I'm really glad that you brought up that point because I don't I don't think I've, I've heard – uh, somebody talk, I'm, I'm sure some, maybe somebody has said it, but, uh, I have not heard somebody say what's going to happen if Brooklyn has to go through both Milwaukee and Philly, what does that look like that? Those are not easy series. And I think it's a great point because it really could be threatening to them. Both of those teams for all the same reasons you and I have talked about exposing their weaknesses, what those weaknesses are and how they match up. That could be very, very tough. And that could get really interesting and not even just, okay, well, is the second team say, say Philly gets them right after the series with say, say uh, Brooklyn goes up against Milwaukee first, takes out Milwaukee, not first, but well, first before, before Philly. And then they go up against Philly and then Philly is, is playing. uh, Maybe Philly just took out Boston. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going off here, but maybe Philly took out Boston in, in four or not four. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Margo. Um, in five in five games, and then uh, you got Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee over here going to say they go to seven. Say they go to seven, and then you're turning around, like that's a very different. You got Philly getting a lot of rest, and then they're they're going to immediately step into a, a really tough series against each other that will likely go to six or seven. Um, and so that's that's really tough. And say say after even all that, Brooklyn comes out on top. They come out of the East, they slayed all the dragons, and then you got to go up against whatever team comes out of the West. That is a lot to ask guys that have been dealing with injuries all season long. So I absolutely think that the path to get to the finals is not an easy one. And not just because, okay, well, or not, not uh, like you can just say, okay, well, what team is going to beat Brooklyn four times? Nobody. It's not that simple for all the reasons that you just said. And so 
I, I cannot stress how how interest or how how important that is and how interesting things might get as we get closer and and who really takes that one seed. Yeah, I I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings and if everything holds and the top seeds advance in the playoffs. So assuming the Heat come out as of the play-in and are the seven seed, they would match up against the Nets. Like, let's not act like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are just going to roll over either. So you're talking nope. about a, a series that would be very physical there. Then you turn around and play the Bucks in the second round. That's going to be a very physical, hard-battled series. And then again for the 76ers. So I think for the for the Nets, that first seed is huge. I do want to point out, Locked On NBA tweeted today, Kawhi and Paul George only played 37 games last year, which totaled about 890 minutes where they were on the floor in the regular season. Uh, KD, Harden, and Kyrie have only played seven this year and 186 minutes together. Now, obviously, it's a lot harder to put three guys on the floor at the same time, but when they're the three guys that you're going to be relying on to win you a championship, continuity might be a bigger deal than than it seems. So I, I, I agree. I think it is a big deal. And with the Clippers, everyone was looking at them like, okay, well, this team, they, they've got it. They've got it. And last year was a big swing and a miss for them. So like you said, it does matter. And so even though you do have that much top tier talent, sometimes these games are close. And I mean, look back in the, I don't even remember how early it was in the season. We saw Cleveland beat them twice, back to back twice. Colin Sexton goes off. And so you just, you've got to have the continuity. You've got to have these, uh, these kinks worked out. So when playoff time hits, like you said, if they, if their matchups from round to round actually go Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, LA Lakers, <laughs> that is so tough. So you don't have time to work out those kinks. You and I talked, right. the last time we talked, we were talking about how, okay, could this be a problem? Could the lack of minutes played together be a problem? Uh, but then we were like, well, reality is they'll probably get into the first round and and take care of business pretty easily. And and that's when in that pressure cooker environment, they can really have the opportunity to, to iron out those kinks when it's for real. But not if you're playing Miami. That's not that's not an easy matchup or it's that are, they're not an easy team to just roll. Like you said, roll over. So definitely think that that's a, that's a really, really great point. Absolutely. So let's shift gears to the West. Let's talk about some of the teams here. I, I think when we look at the West, it's a lot deeper. Um, but I think you're probably really only still looking at two to three teams that can contend, at least in my opinion. Now I think yeah. what's interesting about the West, we talk about how deep it is. I think you could see some, some teams, kind of surprise you and win a series or two like the Nuggets did last year. I don't think anyone Mm -hmm. thought we were going to have a Nuggets Lakers Western Conference Finals. I think that might happen this year where you get a Lakers insert team, whether it be Portland. I I don't know that the Mavericks are good enough to make the Western Conference Finals, but I think they're just, there are so many teams (laughs) in this conference that you don't want to match up with. And that might scare you in a series. Right. So uh, you you talked about how difficult it's going to be to beat Brooklyn four times. I think it's going to be difficult to beat the Clippers four times. It's going to be difficult to beat the Lakers four times, but the West just has more teams that are suited to, to do that. I think than others. So Lauren, I'm interested to see, see or hear what you have to say. What, what contenders do you think there are out West? Yeah. Well, well, first I want to touch on something you said about the difference. One of the key differences between the East and the West talking about depth. So you look at the East, you got the sixth, the seventh, the eighth seed, uh, you got New York, Miami, Charlotte. And um, so you think about the best players on those teams. And then you go over and you look at the West. You got Dame Lillard, 
You got Luka Doncic. You got Steph Curry. John Morant. Like, it's it's different. Not to knock those Eastern Conference teams. I'm not trying to disrespect Jimmy Butler or um, or Julius Randle or, or, or LaMelo Ball or Gordon Hayward or whoever, or even Sabonis looking at the, the East. But it's a little bit different over in the West. And I know some of these teams' depth is a concern. I'm looking at you, Golden State, and I'm looking at you, Dallas, even sometimes <laughs> on night. Sometimes we're no there, doubt. sometimes we're not, if you know what I mean. But – that like you don't want to bet have to bet against Steph Curry. You don't want to have to bet against Dame or Luca. That's very difficult. And so, I I completely agree. It, it's I'm not saying that. Oh yeah, the eighth say say the Mavs get the eighth seed, we're gonna be able to take out the Lakers like that's easy or whoever. But we've also I've also talked about how okay if we're look at us right now we're the seventh seed and Phoenix is the second seed. If we go up against Phoenix. I'm not mad about that. Right. You know, that's tough, but I'd rather go up against Phoenix than the Lakers nuggets or jazz. So Absolutely. yeah, the West is, is different because the teams in the East are so top heavy in terms of star talent and, and having multiple guys. Not that the West doesn't have that, but the superstars going all the way down that list, they're there. So yeah, it's, I don't think, I mean, I don't think that it's guaranteed that no upsets uh, is not in the realm of possibility. I absolutely think that there's there's potential for an upset. But but to answer your question, who do I think are the true contenders? It's really tough because up until recently, I would have thrown the Denver Nuggets in there. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that I now no longer can say that. But the reality is things just change unfortunately and i i don't think that they're i no longer put them in that category um so i i have the lakers in there duh and mm, god it's so tough looking at those top three right there because <laughs> the rea- the more i talk to people about utah i mean i've I've heard people compare them to the Hawks. I've heard people compare them to this and that and this and that, but I don't want to knock the Utah jazz um, because I've heard people, I had a conversation the other day talking about how Phoenix has all these switchable perimeter defenders and Utah doesn't, they don't have those defenders, but you and I talked last, last podcast about how elite Utah's offense, defense and net rating and coaching and depth and shooting is. So those are in the number, like you can't, you can't ignore that. So you know what? I am going to throw Utah in that category, and I might get some blowback for that, but I don't think that you can just discount them because they're a middle market team. I have more faith in the Utah Jazz than I have in the Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry, but it's true. That's that's where I'm at. I know that Phoenix is fun to watch. Chris Paul, great story. Who doesn't love book? But I don't think Phoenix can do it. I don't think Aiden has the, the playoff experience. I don't think – I think there are a few things missing with his game that might – come with time but i just don't think it's there yet utah they've got the continuity they got the coach for all the reasons we talked about last podcast if you haven't listened to it go listen to it we talk a lot of utah jazz so i'm gonna throw lakers utah i don't even want to say the clippers because they don't have a big man they don't have a big (laughs) man and so i'm looking at brooklyn i'm looking at milwaukee philly even la yeah la what are you gonna do with like I like Zubots, but he's not going to get it done. You know what I mean? Right. Like I would take if I'm the Mavs, I'd take the Clippers. I'd love to have the Clippers. So I can't. I'm, and I'm not just trying to have my biased view, but I'm not going to throw the Clippers in there for the same reason I'm not going to throw the Suns in there. They're good teams, but I don't think they can win at all. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I, I've got a, I, the bias homer in me can't not touch another Clips Mavs matchup. If we get that, I'll assuming so we get a healthy Porzingis again, mm-hmm. I think that would be very entertaining. You get another full year of Luka uh, oh, yeah. added to that matchup. Granted, the Clippers have some new pieces, uh, but they also lost a couple pieces. They don't have Trez anymore. Uh, and so things definitely get interesting. Um, but as far as contenders go, you, you threw Utah in there and you were a little hesitant to do so. I think so long this whole year we've talked about how we think the Jazz are for real. I'm not at a point where I can back off that yet. Um, they're going to have to show me something in a playoff series before I don't think the Jazz are for real. You, you said all the numbers. All the numbers are there. They're great offensively. They're great defensively. They have a lot of deep pieces, a lot of guys who can score. Um, we talked about how the game shrinks in the playoffs. Well, you need your big guys to go out and do what they do, and then you need one or two bench guys every night to just provide that punch. And the mm-hmm. Jazz, I think, are one of those teams that one night it can be Bogdan, another night it can be Ingles, another night it can be Clarkson. Like, it does not have to be just Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert carrying the team. I think they've got enough pieces to do it. Mm-hmm. So until the Jazz prove me wrong or I see something that's going to tell me otherwise, I think the Jazz are for real. The Lakers, obviously, for her, for real. We talk about the Nets' uh, injury concerns, not having chemistry. LeBron, I think, is the exception to that rule. But obviously, the, this Lakers team has played together last year uh, and then most of this year. So I, I don't worry about the concern, the injury concerns. They're at the five seed right now. I think they could slide to six. They're two games ahead of the Trailblazers. But I think Anthony Davis is sl- slated to come back soon. So I don't think they're going to slide too much further than five right now. Uh, the Nuggets, yeah. Once they lost Jamal Murray, uh, you said it's just not the same anymore. I don't, I don't see them quite contending. I will say they've won three straight, and they're eight and two in their last ten, which is huge. Uh, but it's as huge. far as playoff contending, you need Jamal Murray there to have a shot. So I, I hate to pull the Nuggets out of it. Um, and you left the Clippers out, but I've got to leave them in just because watching what Kawhi did with that Toronto team against the Warriors, like I just even though Kevin Durant got hurt during that series. I just can't – I will not doubt Kawhi Leonard. He's just on another level. Yeah. I, I think playoff P, uh, for all the jokes we had last year, no. I, I don't think he's going to repeat his performance. I agree. I don't think so either. Can so, I Can I push something back on the Utah Jazz? Absolutely. Last year, those fourth quarter battles between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell could have easily gone the other way. And we could have had the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. And they weren't as dominant as they are this year, which is why I continue, and I think you and I both continue to just emphasize the importance of continuity. So, so huge. So that's why I'm pushing for Utah to really just – I want them to just get in there and just just roll over people. I really do because I – it's so it's been so frustrating seeing people just be like they're not for real they not not they suck nobody says that but like not like 43 and 15 they're 43 and 15 man right. come on that's nuts so anyway that's that's all i have to say about the utah jazz i i that's tough but but yeah you can't you can't like you said you can't count root against Kawhi. that's that's tough but i just i don't think that they're like their supporting cast is it's not bad by any means, but right. they're just not as deep. They're not as deep. Like Patrick Beverly, 
like there that when we used to when we were looking at their group a year ago it was like okay Marcus Morris Patrick Beverly Reggie Jackson Montrez like they've got all these guys Patrick Patterson Jermichael Green all mm-hmm. these guys that can give you they can go off but don't like you said they don't have Trez Ibaka has battled some injuries on and off throughout the year um Rondo I think Rondo what are you gonna get with yeah I, I think you think he will be? be I think he'll be big in the playoffs in the sense that his experience and leadership will come in, come in huge. But, yeah, you just look at their scoring punches outside no of Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. yeah, they don't have Lou anymore. Like, the, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to it see. could get – yeah. Matchups are going to be huge in the West. Agreed. Um, we, we talked about how, how tough it might be and how important the matchups are for Brooklyn. Uh, I think outside of Brooklyn, it doesn't really matter who they play. They, they have yeah. – they know what they have to do. They pretty much got to go through the nets. Here, um, you've got to hit – you, there's a little bit of luck with it outside of Absolutely. the Lakers. Um, you, you've got to find the right, the right matchup and you, you gotta, it, it, a lot of it, I think will come down to coaching too. Uh, we're going to see who, who are those guys who can make adjustments and, and change uh, the outlook of a series kind of like that. So a lot of things to play, play out there. Um, I honestly, I, I can't wait for the playoffs. I love playoff basketball. That whole, oh, I love nuts. nothing more. And sitting down on a Saturday afternoon and watching game after game after game. Yes, it's can't awesome. Wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. So I think I think we'll leave it there. We've touched a lot about on the contenders. We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna flip it to the bottom of the standings. We're gonna talk about the worst teams in the league and who has the brightest and dullest futures. All righty, welcome back. You know, Lauren, at the top of the show, I thought we'd, we'd do this part after the contenders because I thought, oh, we'll have a better com- conversation doing this than, than we will talking about the contenders. Mm-hmm. But now after we just had that conversation, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if we can beat that. that was, I, felt like, <laughs> I felt like we touched on a lot of things that I wasn't thinking about ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so so maybe, maybe the same will go here. So I'm excited. Lauren, uh, do you want to talk about the dullest futures or the brightest futures? Oh, why don't we go dull first so we can end it on a positive note? What do you think yeah, about that? That's a good idea. So so tell me, who who maybe give me one or two teams. Who do you think has the dullest future right now? You know, <laughs> that's really tough. <laughs> so I really do believe. Oh, man. For me, it's really easy. For you, it's easy. Yeah. So I'm going to say, future. are we just doing like the dullest future out of all teams? Uh, for me, all I teams, have, for me, I have one. You that just I have think the top is, one. Yeah. Is, is worse off than anybody else. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's Houston. I have a pitch for Orlando, Orlando, not too happy with you right now. <laughs> you are just messing up left and right, but I do think it's Houston because when I the when you look at the bottom of the standings and you look at some of the the teams and and some of the some of the guys that they've got that's how I'm looking at it like look at some of the guys that they've got those guys will grow in they will continue to develop and look at the top picks that they're about to get and what that will continue to look like in what 3 months from now 4 months from now but to me, the Rockets say they get number one, Cade Cunningham, right now, and you're rolling out Cade Cunningham, Christian Wood, and what? Jay Sean Tate, not going to disrespect him. Heck of a guy. But Kenyon Martin Jr., I like him. Sterling Brown, I like him. But 
where is that going to take you in the West? It's not. So I don't know. And the reason why I want to make a case for the magic is because again, the pick protection, I think is stupid. The, with the trade, the Vucevic trade that could still, I like that could still backfire and Chicago ends up with that pick. And that is a disaster. And so let's say, okay, let's say right now, let's say they don't get that. I don't know. These are a lot of hypotheticals, but I think the magic are not in a good position. I think that the return that they got at the trade deadline was not good. And uh, their future is uncertain. They got a lot of young guys, but I don't think they have their young guy. That's the true center of their core. And when you don't have that, you have zero direction. And that is a problem. The rockets, they have their direction with their Christian wood. And so outside of Evan Mobley, even if they get Evan Mobley, like that wouldn't be the worst thing. They, But they can pretty much take anyone and they've got a young duo. You could potentially be looking at the next John Jaren. You know what I mean? Not, okay, maybe that's a little bit too much respect I'm giving to Christian Wood comparing him to Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's just given the age that he's at. But you get what I'm saying. Like The Rockets right. could have a quick turnaround. The Magic, I think, are going to be in a position where they're just year after year, bottom, 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 bottom. What do you think? So I think it's interesting you touch on the magic. I actually like the magic's position a lot better than two or three other teams. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the, the East by far and away though, I think at the bottom is Houston. Um, I mm. don't think Christian Wood is the piece to build around uh, John wall, not the piece to build. around. Like you look at where this team's going to be in, in three years. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Christian Wood is off the team, obviously, he, he, yeah, he that's a really, seasons. yeah. So like, I just, I don't know where, when you look down the road with this team, I don't, I don't know who's going to be there. So for me, it's, oh. it's Houston and it's not close because I don't think they have a direction. They do have a pick this year, but yep. if it falls out, I think if it falls out of the top four, they don't get the pick. And so it falls to a really? Yeah. And so Houston, now I, I, the way the protection works, I'm sitting here on Tankathon right now. Okay. Uh, the way it's worded is a little funny. It says OKC gets the two best of OKC, Houston, and Miami's pick. Now Miami is going to be hovering in that lottery bubble. OKC and Houston are going to be at the top of the draft. So mm -hmm. Houston oh, gets. Oh, I see it now. Okay. So Houston gets the worst and can swap with Brooklyn. So I believe Houston gets the next best pick, but there's a protection on it. So so. I'm, I'm running simulation after simulation, just making sure I'm not misspeaking. But my understanding, the way this works, mm -hmm. is if, if if Houston's pick falls out of the top four, it goes to OKC. So, Oh, my gosh. That could be huge. If they don't end up with a pick this draft, you talk about being bad this season. I mean, they would get Miami's pick, which right now is slotted 16. Uh, and they do have a couple other first-rounders. It looks like they've got Portland and Milwaukee's first-rounders. But you're looking at a bunch of mid to late first rounders uh, and potentially missing out on a top three, top four guy. Now you and I have talked about this draft a little bit and how we, how deep we think it is. And I'm really looking forward to our off season pods because I think we have a lot of draft analysis uh, that we get to bring. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to dive too much into individual players right now because I know we'll do that at a, at a point in the future. Yes. But if Houston does not get a pick for all, I mean, I don't want to sit here and like, bash Houston but they're screwed man like they need yeah no you're right you're right I I I don't know how I just missed that yeah because normally I'm used to seeing the little icons of like 
where, but I guess that's like the, the pick that was traded. That's not where the pick could go. Right. Um, so that was, that was my bad. I forget what the, the other side is that does it differently. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but that could be so, so bad because everyone has had their eyes on this draft for God knows how long now. Mm-hmm. And so if this is your time to get your franchise piece moving forward, because those guys are there, you know, right. And you don't even get them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, Houston, Orlando, that like Orlando's going to get one of them. I see that. I see that. But yeah, I want to touch on yeah. Orlando. Well, okay, I, go th- ahead. I think I'm a little higher on Orlando than you are. Uh, okay. Why? Have, Give me the I think pitch. it helps that they have two picks this year. I think okay. it's unlikely that Chicago's pick doesn't convey. Uh, even if they do, even if they do, Chicago jumps into the top four for some reason. They don't get that pick. I, I can't remember if it's top four, or top five protected. Anyway, top four. Top four. So, so say Chicago gets gets their pick back, and Orlando only ends up with one. I think they're going to land a decent guy that can help. Uh, and when I look at their roster, I don't hate their pieces. They got a lot of young guys. I think they have pieces that they can build around. Um, I don't know what you're going to get out of Markel Fultz. He's only played eight games this season. Uh, the further and further he gets into his career, you really hope that he's starting to put some games together and get some time on the floor because at some point you got to give up on that one. Uh, but Cole Anthony, I like. I like Gary Harris. I don't think he's a piece to build around per se. Uh, but Otto Porter is not a bad player. Um where to go? I'm just I'm looking up and up and down the roster. Mo Bamba, I, I mean, hasn't panned out well. I, I just don't hate Wendell Carter, I think is a big that they can build around. And and granted, they do not have the piece. They don't have the number one guy to take them into into just playoff contention. They don't they don't need to compete. But I think if they get, say, a Cade Cunningham, that can put them up into the 10, 11, 12 range in the East. I mean, granted, the East sucks, so maybe they'll get hot and pop into the, the 9, 10 range. But right. but I just don't think they're as far away as someone like Houston. That, that So much for yeah. Houston depends on the pick, too. So I for me, I'm a little higher on Orlando. I actually am, am a, a little higher on Orlando than I am Detroit. I just – I mean, Detroit has one pick this year. Me? I'm not, I just, I love Detroit, not, man. I tweeted I'm about them today. Sold. Like they, they've not shown me anything substantial this year. I don't know. Convince me otherwise. What do you, I what sure do you will. think about Detroit? I will. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I'm about to. So if you're, if you Hold are, on. before you start, okay. I okay. want you to know that I'm going to be writing down the specific <laughs> points that I'm going to turn around and argue against. That's totally I, I usually, fine. I usually don't do it and try to do it in my head and hit everything. But I want you to know this time I'm, I'm going to be taking notes. Okay, go ahead. So if you are content with the Magic's current core, you should be thrilled by Detroit's current core. Um, they might not have the guy, but their draft class, I tweeted about it today. Their draft class from this last year was incredible. They have hit on every single person. 
maybe okay i can't okay no 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 stop running stop running <laughs> you see she saw okay. my face no, no, when no. she said she hit on everybody and i started writing something down and she had okay. the backpedal i don't want to i can't just say oh it's a home run on every single person but killian hayes still very high on him he's had a lot of flashes lately i think he's going to be a good player in the league i like the confidence that he plays with so yes i am in on killian hayes more so than i am on uh Cole Anthony or RJ Hampton or Gary Harris or anybody over in Orlando. And you take a, take a look down the line, Sadiq Bay, another guy who I think you look at and is not, he's not like your, your Jaron Jackson or your jaw or a guy that's like that guy, but he's like a, not, not the same player as Lou Dort, but the type of player that's like valuable. He's a valuable young asset and he's a part of that young core. So I do really like him. Beef Stew is having a heck of a year. And if you look, I just, oh, I love him. I absolutely love him. He's been so fun to watch. Um, I think he's a really interesting piece to have as a part of your young core. They still... I don't know that they really know what they're getting with Sekou Dumboya. They've had him for a little while, and I just I think his his future is uncertain, and I think they're starting to lose confidence in him. But I also think that he's the type of player that if he just adds something a little bit different to his game, or he just he switches how he does certain things, or his role, or whatever the case may be, he could be a much more useful and consistent player. I don't know. But going back to this most recent draft class, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes. Uh, Isaiah Stewart and Saban Lee, another guy. Saban Lee is a young guy that they've enjoyed having. Josh Jackson is a guy that people were done with. He either bust, wrote him off as a bust. And I think uh, Detroit has done a really good job giving him a chance to kind of show why he has a place in this league. And I think a lot of people that follow Detroit have really liked what they've seen from him and are excited for him to be a part of this young group. And so what I like about uh, this draft is if they get, and I think you said this to me last time, teams that suck can take anybody in the draft because they need anyone and everything. But if they get Cade Cunningham, you're now looking at a backcourt of Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes, and Killian can play that two guard. And so I don't hate that. If they get Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs, they can do that backcourt as well. I, I like the Cade backcourt, obviously, a little bit more. But I think there's a way that you make that work with Jalen Suggs. Evan Mobley, you need the need for that. And I haven't even mentioned Jeremy Grant because, well, he has, he's, his, he's the age that he's at. He's got the playoff experience. So I can't just say, oh, he'll be a Piston in five years. But I do think that, I mean – I expect him to be there for, for at least a little bit longer for, um, I mean, until let's just say for, for argument's sake till the end of his contract. But I like this young group that they've got. And because they've got, they're going to have a top pick in this year's draft. They could get their guy. That is the center. And it is up to Troy Weaver and Troy Weaver has shown me all this past off season, since he has made his way into Detroit, why he knows what he's doing. He makes the right decisions and he's not afraid to make the tough decisions to get things going. So I do have faith in Detroit's front office that with this draft pick, they are going to get the right guy to surround that young core with and, or to, to continue to, to build the young core and the young core that they've got is, is solid. It's not, it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh my God, it's, it's the best young core in the league, but it is a good group. And I think if you give them time, 
like they'll be all right. And so I can't, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, they're going to be a, they're going to be a tough team in the East, but I think that they've got a much more clear direction and clear future than Houston, Orlando, even Cleveland. Sorry. Um, I just, I'm not really like, there are certain teams that I'm looking at them and I'm like, they're not bad enough to, or they're not good enough to, get anywhere in the playoffs they're not bad enough to get that top pick to really get that player that could change everything for them and when i look at cleveland i see that i see that all day right what do you think i think that's the toughest thing in all this is how do you gauge those those middle of the pack when i say middle of the pack i say late lottery teams the guys who who, like you said can't quite make the playoffs but they're not going to suck enough the spurs the spurs come to mind too i think the spurs have an interesting future too uh Everyone seems to think that DeMar DeRozan is not going to come back. I don't think he will either, but uh, I don't know that it's a, a done deal. But if but if he doesn't, like, there's just not – What's super, the future? Exactly. Where's where's your direction after that? So, uh, again, they, they have some nice pieces. They've got some good young guards. Uh, and with Pop, I think Pop helps a lot too. Uh, but they've got an interesting uh, kind of picture. Um, but going back, I want to talk about the things you said about Detroit. Like, I, I just don't know – that you sold me. And, I, and I'm going to sit here and say, like, we're arguing over the facts that the Ma- like the Magic are a half game better than the Pistons mm-hmm. right now, but the Pistons have just played one more game than the Magic, and they happen to have lost it. So the right. Magic are, we're recording on 420. The Magic are 18 and 39, and the Pistons are 18 and 40. So, like, maybe the Magic play tonight, and then they're both tied at 18 and 40. So, like, we're not going to sit here and, and argue over or who's worse. Right. Um, and it really just comes down to opinion. I'm not sold on Killian. You're not sold Hayes on their yet. guys. Yeah, I mean Killian yeah. Hayes. He's played in 14 games, and I saw on Twitter as of like three or four nights ago, he had not mm-hmm. played in two consecutive games all season. So to me, that's kind of a problem. Again, 14 games, very small sample size, but he's only averaging six points, four assists is actually solid for 22 minutes a game. Like I do kind of like that. Uh, but he's shooting 24% from three. Granted, he's not shooting a lot of them. I just, I'm not sold on Killian Hayes. Um, I do like Sadiq Bay. I think when you look at the NBA draft, anytime you're outside of the top five, if you can get a role player, he doesn't even have to be a starter, but a role player who's going to be in the NBA for years and years, I think that's a win. And obviously you want that role player to be with you. Right. Um, but that obviously isn't always the case because the NBA just isn't built that way. But I think Sadiq Bay is one of those guys who's going to be around in the league for a long time. And he's showing you why this year he's right. just playing phenomenally. I think he's going to be on the all, all rookie first team uh, having a great year. So I love him, but I don't, like you said, I don't think he's the piece to move on, on or, or to build around. So I just outside of those two, I don't know. I, I guess Jeremy Grant is another solid piece, but um it really comes down to personal preference. We could sit here and talk about what these teams look like with Kate Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, but for all we know, it happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That Chicago pick jumps up to number one. OKC oh, jumps up to number two. Uh, who else here? I, I lost my spot on Tangathon. Like, I mean, these guys could shoot down to four and five and for all, for all we know, like, Oh, there goes, there goes the franchise changing piece that these guys so desperately need. So, um, I don't want to say the future is dull for these guys, but in my opinion, it's just not bright either. Fair. So, Lauren, I know we touched on a lot. Is there any other teams you want to talk about in terms of, of future 
outlook. I, I, we, I, we touched on the dullest. I know we wanted to touch on some of the, the brightest. I think OKC is obviously a great outlook just because of the number of picks they have. Um, I don't want to go too far down that road because the national media all the time talks about how many picks OKC has. Uh, I do love <laughs> Shea Gilgis. <laughs> I think I think Shea Gilgis is a great piece to build around. Uh, so, I, so I think OKC has a bright future. Is there anybody else you want to touch on? Uh, as far as having a bright future, is that we're we're still we're we're on yeah, that? Yeah, teams teams in in the non playoff picture who have a bright future, and Golden State currently isn't in the playoff picture, but we won't count them because Clay comes back, and that's a whole different story. So yeah, that's a very so, bright future. <laughs> right. So I'm looking at when I look at futures, I look at younger teams and what that's going to look like. And I want to throw something at you. I think one of the teams that now is more future oriented that I think has a really bright future is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Because I think that Kyle Lowry uh, is going to make his way out of there. And I'd like to think that it'll be via sign and trade. So that way Toronto can maybe get something back, but getting Gary Trent Jr. has been fantastic. OG Ananobi is an incredible young player under 25. He's a very, very, very underrated player. One of, he's just so solid on both sides of the ball. Uh, Malachi Flynn is somebody that Raptors fans are very excited about. Fred Van Fleet has still, this is crazy to me. Fred Van Fleet has been in the, in the league four years. Feels like it's been 12. <laughs> it feels like it has been 12. Same with Pascal Siakam, four years in the league. So, and Chris Boucher is another guy who who is who was in the most improved player very early on. Now not as much because they're just guys that have taken even even a more uh, an even more significant step. But they've got a lot of intriguing young guys, and so you take this current group and you replace you replace uh, Kyle Lowry with a 19-year-old Cade Cunningham, a 19-year-old Jalen Green, a 19-year-old, well, he'll be, they'll, uh, they'll be 20. Night. Yeah, like they're, they got that eighth pick, but the way the draft is set up, I mean, when it comes to the lottery, maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but I really do feel like it's a crapshoot. Like you could, you can jump. And the reason I feel that way, take me right back to the jaw, Zion, Mavs. Uh. <laughs> that is why I will always feel that way. So, um, for those who don't know the Mavs, yeah, please think, say it, just say I it. I think, yeah, I, I want to say Mavs, Memphis and Pelicans all had the yes. same odds. Same odds. We did. Yep. We all had the same odds going into draft lottery night. And of course, one and two goes Pelicans and Grizzlies. Memphis. So yep. that of course sucks. Who knows what things could look like if Zion or Ja were sitting there next to Luca and KP. Yeah. I, Oh God, don't even get me started. So yes. So that, that's from that personal experience. That's why I'm like draft night. Could you just never know what's going to happen or draft lottery night, I should say. Um, so yes, they current Toronto currently has the eighth pick in the draft, but you just never know. And sometimes these guys hit Davion Mitchell. I don't want to say, Oh, and I don't want to get into individual players, but this draft is so deep. And so just because you don't get a top five pick in a draft doesn't mean you're not going to hit. And I fully believe that. And I think a lot of people do too, especially with this draft. Um, they've also got, they've got, let's see, two second round picks, two second round picks. So maybe they get creative and try to work something with that there. But yeah, if they, if they jump a little bit, 
Right. I mean, who knows? Even if they even if they stay at eight or even fall to like ten, there are guys that you. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. Briefly had a power outage at my apartment. It literally shut off and flew back on. I'm recording the podcast from my end. And so you may have heard Lauren just cut off right there. Uh, I, If you're hearing this, I've tried to work my editing magic and have had no luck. So as best as we could, we're back. We're going to try to just piece this together uh, and pick up we're, where we left off. We were talking about the future of Toronto and how things look there. Lauren, I don't know at what point it cut you off, um, but is there anything else you want to touch on Toronto before I, I give my two cents? Well, the last thing I want to say real quick, and, and I did mention uh, Gary Trent Jr., but I really, really like what I've seen from him this, this season. And I think a lot of people feel that's that, that same way. And uh I'll be interested to see how he continues to play. You know, there have been games where he goes off for 40, uh, 30, whatever the case may be. But I want to see, is this sustainable for him? Who is he as a player? Has he taken a step up now that he's in a different role? Or has he just gotten hot a couple of nights? I don't know. I can't say, oh, he's he's this player. He's this category, you know? So um, I'll be interested to see what his future looks like. And I mean... I am excited for him because nothing, I mean, he, he looks like he's enjoying himself and, and there, I mean, seeing players get into different situations and, and thrive isn't, isn't always a bad thing, you know? For sure. I think when we looked at that Norman Powell trade, uh, we talked about it a little bit. If you go back and, and listen to our trade deadline review, we talked about how at first we weren't really wowed with that. But then when we looked at it kind of stepping back, uh, we didn't, we didn't hate it because we didn't know where Toronto was going to go this season. Um, and really has in all cases, it's kind of looked like it's been great for both sides. So um, that really has been nice. Yeah. One thing that I think we have to mention about Toronto, um, they're not playing in Toronto. They have played this whole season on the road. Granted they've been in Tampa and so they haven't had to travel for home games, but when you're not in your normal NBA routine, you're not playing from home it definitely affects things. So I don't know if this is a one-off year. I think Kyle Lowry may move on after this, this off season, um, but maybe not. He may be a Toronto lifer. And if that's the case, great. Um, but I think this Toronto that you touched on all their pieces, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Fleet, like they just have so many guys that have now finals experience thanks to Kwai. Um, And so I like to think they bounce back next year and definitely have a bright future. And this draft, uh, you hit on all the the madness of the lottery, that could be huge for them too. So uh, I definitely like Toronto. Uh, I, I want to talk about Cleveland just briefly before we hit yeah. our um, sleepers of the week. He, granted, they're in that weird floating position where they're not good, but they're not awful. Um, they're only two and a half games behind Pistons. So like they're not very good. But I do think they have at least a direction. It's not a great direction. The wind isn't blowing heavily in their sails. 
Um, but at least they have a sale, unlike Houston. And so I think Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, uh, I like what what they've done. Hopefully they can add some more pieces in the draft, but but I don't hate I don't hate where Cleveland's at. So that's fair. Well, all right, Lauren, I'll let you go first. Who is your sleeper? Give me a couple sleepers if you have some. I know we've been off for a while, but what do you got? So my first sleeper of the week is um, Drew Eubanks. And I have to do, I have to start with him. I know I told you that I had a story that I wanted to share. So that's what I'm going to do now. But um, he had 13 points, 13 rebounds and two assists in a big win, nearly 30 point victory over the Phoenix Suns. And if you are wondering if the Phoenix Suns were fully equipped for that game, they were. So that's, that's, that's a big deal. And he had a big part in that with that double double. So the reason I think that, I mean, that's a good performance and shout out to him. But the main reason that I chose him was because the other day I was fortunate enough to see the Mavs play the San Antonio Spurs in person. And Drew Eubanks was sitting at the end of the bench, the end of the bench. And granted, they don't have a whole lot of big men over there. They just got Gorgie Jang, but he wasn't playing because uh, he was new on the scene. And so it was really Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks. That was it. So Drew is on the end of the bench and Jakob is starting to get into foul trouble. He picks up a quick foul, but I think pop was like, yeah, I can't really afford to take him out. And so somebody went to the free throw line for Dallas pop subs, drew Eubanks in just to get Jakob over and talk to him on the, on the bench, on the sideline for, for like 30 seconds. And then the second free throw goes up or, it must've been three free throws because then the, the, the next free throw goes up and he immediately puts Yaka back in for Drew Eubanks. So he, he clocked zero minutes, just went out there to stood on the free throw line and he comes running off the court. And while some players might be like, you know, throw a water bottle, kick a chair or, or anything, he just starts clapping real loud and he high fives every one of his teammates. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, that's a good locker room guy. That's a guy that you want around. That's a good culture guy. And so I loved that moment. And dad looked at me and he goes, well, he just became one of my favorite players. And I said, me too. That was awesome because you just, those are the moments that you don't always see. And so if you follow your team closely, you do see those moments. We talk on, on Mavs Twitter when we see Nate Hinton doing some dance moves or whatever he's doing on the bench because he's just got so much energy. And so to see those moments for other teams is awesome. And so I really loved getting to see that moment. And I love just, just knowing that those guys are out there and having those moments with their teammates. I think it's awesome. So he gets the vote for me. For sure. Uh, one of my guys too, actually is somebody I got to see um, recently. I, so I think we've touched on this before, but if we haven't uh, growing up, my dad has had season tickets with a group. Uh, we usually probably get to go to in a normal non COVID year. We probably got to go to eight games a year. Uh, and growing up, my sister and I split those and taking turns. It maybe it was more than that. I don't know. Um, but during COVID, uh, we finally have been with limited fans. I've gotten to go. Uh, Lauren and I got to go see the Clippers a while back, and the Mavs lost that one. Lauren and my dad went to go see the Spurs. And then just this past Sunday on the, I believe it was the 18th, uh, I went and saw the Kings. And I'd like to point out that the Mavs are 0-3 when Jeff Gunn, our dad, is in attendance. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I'm putting all the blame on that, on him, not me. Absolutely. I was there. For, yeah. I was there for two of them, but I'm putting the blame on him since he was there for all three. 
Um, but somebody else for Sacramento, man, that felt like a game we should have won. But Terrence Davis came in and just lit us up, went five for five from three, was nine from 12 from the floor, and had 23 points. Darren Fox also torched us. But um, just always cool to see guys that you've never heard of, really. I, I don't follow the NBA as closely like I used to. I'm obviously very well informed, but I used to know every guy on every team, one through 13, and sometimes one through 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I'm not at that point. I probably know one through 10 on most teams. And so it was cool to see this guy come in. And it really wasn't cool, actually, if I'm being fully honest. It wasn't cool to watch this guy torch us because it just – we should have. I felt like we should have won that game. But you always root for um, guys getting their shot and doing that. Uh, I'll, I'll hit on my other one real quick, and then I'll let you kind of send us out and give us your final sleeper. The other guy I have is just, a, a, I think, one of the most underrated guys in the league, and that's Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, I just closed the box score on him, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you what it was, that the performance he, he did the other night that that really stood out for me. But I remember thinking in the, in the past eight games, he was scoring like 21 points and 13 rebounds. And that wasn't drastically different from, I think, like 17 points and 13 rebounds that he averages. But he's just the guy who kind of does it all for them. He's, he's in, a, in a league where we're seeing big guys kind of take a step back. He's like doing everything you need for Memphis. And I think he's just a hugely, vastly underrated guy. Uh, I think when you look at the trade, the Marcus Gasol for Jonas Valanciunas swap that happened, I think DeLon Wright might have been included in that too. He was. But, but that was a trade that looks like it kind of benefited both teams. Absolutely. Uh, Toronto got that championship piece that really helped uh, anchor their defense. And then Jonas Valanciunas has been huge for Memphis. So I think he's just a guy who's who's very underrated, uh, is having a great season with Memphis. And so for me, he's, he's my second sleeper like of the that. week. I love Jonas. I love Jonas. Well, my final sleeper uh, before we get out of here is a guy that I think you and I are both big fans of. I think lots of people are fans of his because he's just so underrated and he's so fun to watch. Uh, is Daniel Gafford in a victory oh. o- over the Pelicans. Uh, he had 18 points and seven rebounds. So traded, acquired uh, by Washington at the trade deadline, new situation to go out there, play 26 minutes, put up 18 and seven. Not easy for a young guy to do. So he gets the nod for me. And uh, I can't say that I'm surprised because I love Daniel Gafford and I'm very jealous that the Washington Wizards get to uh, get to have him as a part of their squad. Absolutely. I was huge on him when he came out. Of, I can't remember. I think he was Minnesota. Um, but when he was a, a second round prospect, I, I thought the Mavs could have their eye on him. Um, definitely like him. I'm Googling real quick where he went to college. Arkansas. Of, oh yeah, Arkansas. Arkansas. Duh, Daniel Gafford. Right. That's right. I, I wish I remember who I was thinking of was Minnesota. Daniel Gafford. I, I was not confusing him with somebody, but I remember another second round prospect from Minnesota um, that came to mind. Anyway, all that to be said, definitely a big fan of Daniel Gafford. Good for him in a new situation. I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. A bit of a longer pod, but we were off for a while. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back. I apologize for the tech issues. That's definitely not a good way. It happens. Yeah, it definitely happens. not a good way to come back, but it happens. Till next time, I'm Grant, Lauren Gunn. We will see you next time.